Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. A gospel reading from the fourth chapter of Luke. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they might throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. All right, I need you to do something for me. I need you to all fold your hands across your chest like this. I guess I, I need you to do this because I need to know what it, what it must have felt like for Jesus to stare back at, at the whole, uh, you know, the synagogue as they all, you can even put a grumpy face on. And, okay, so that's what it must have looked like for Jesus, okay? Uh, now I need you to do something else. Uh, take your arms, take them back down, and now do it the opposite. Put the opposite arm that you just did. Feels weird, doesn't it? Like you're not, like think about it. Like anytime you fold your hands, you always probably do it the exact same way. And so to throw it off of, like if you're really uncomfortable right now, you can undo it. Um, So even though you at home, you can all undo it. It feels weird because it's a backwards thing. Like Every time I fold my arms, I always do it this way. So to do it this way just feels a little unnatural. And it's this habit that I've formed. It's what I'm used to doing. I I recently took a leadership course in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's been around for a long time, but this is from the Stephen Covey Foundation. Uh, I studied Covey when I was in college, and I don't want to tell you how long that's been. So, I mean, I, I knew a lot about this material when I took it, but it was a train-the-trainer course, so I'm able to teach these, uh, these habits. And it was a great leadership course for me to take because it was designed to reflect on the person. I saw how many different ways that this could also be applied to things that we do here in the church. And so thinking about how we cultivate better relationships with each other, how we become more effective in our own time, in our own self-growth, and so one of the takeaways that seemed very timely to me was how uh, the, the course talked about how we carry our own weather. And it's from that first habit of being proactive. Stephen Covey says, proactive people carry their own weather with them. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, it means we don't have control over the weather, but we do have control over our attitude about it. And then the instructor showed us these different circles. We have the outer circle, the circle of concern, where we don't necessarily have any control. And then we have that inner circle, the circle of influence, where we do have some control. And so on the outside, these are the external forces that we think about, but ultimately, we don't have very much, if any, control over. For example, as we talk about carrying your own weather, the weather. Like, And let's be honest, here in Minnesota, we knew what we were getting into when we decided to live here, but that doesn't mean that that weather and, and things that go on, uh, whether it's going to be snow or cold or sun or whatever it is, we think about it and it influences our decisions and it's something that we might be worried about. And so you think about other things that are in that circle of concern that we don't necessarily have control over. For example, natural disasters, politics, the outcome for our favorite sports team. And so think about how that can affect our feelings, even though we don't have any control over it. But it also extends to things like COVID and genetics and illness. We don't have control, but we certainly wish we did. But on that inside is the circle of influence. This is what we do have a little bit of control over, like the way that we talk to others, what we put into our body, the, th- the things that we do for our prayer and our spiritual practices. It's the circle in which our choices do have an effect on the outcomes. The instructor then offered a simple reminder on how our responses might affect us. And he said this, whatever you water grows. So think about that. Whatever we consume, whatever we put our mind to or whatever we're thinking about the most, it's going to affect our external and our internal circles. We might make internal choices that affect our external attitude about things, whether that's the news that we consume or the people that we hang out with or the things that we dedicate our time to, that we spend time thinking about. Maybe these are activities that just aren't very fulfilling, but they're just kind of mindless and we keep doing them. You think about all of those internal choices that we make, the more that we do those, that can actually make that outer circle, that circle of concern, push down on us and potentially suffocate us. So what happens when we get controlled by that circle of concern and we spend all of our time kind of worrying and thinking about it? It becomes the one thing that we think about all the time. It creates fear and dread. It it's, might even lead us to, to have less trust for our other people, to be less likely to have a positive outlook on, on our lives. So what about the things that we do have control over? And, and that's our circle of influence. That's where we have some control. The way that we think the way that we act, the attitudes that we have towards others can go a long way in influencing them. We actually have control over those responses. And so when we add water to those, when we add more time and more thought and more energy to it, that circle can actually grow and actually healthy things can happen. Positive behaviors, healthy habits, whether that's getting sleep or eating well or exercising, Maybe it's talking to somebody who can help you work through something, like a counselor or an expert, or maybe even talking to a trusted best friend to be able to, to, to find that healthy circle of influence so that as we water it, that that can grow. And when those habits really start getting developed and cultivated, that's where we build some resilience. And when we have a little bit more resilience, we're a lot better equipped for when that circle of concern does get really big and scary and, and might become crushing down on us. Because... Truth is, bad things do happen to us. Bad things happen in the world. The weather strikes. We may have an illness or loss. These are the things that we, that we experience. But the stronger we can be uh, and, and the stronger we've built up that circle of influence in our lives, the better equipped we are to face those events. 
Certainly none of us could have anticipated COVID, yet over time, have you noticed how you've kind of changed and, and maybe evolved and you've understood how you have a little bit more of a circle of influence in your attitude and how you approach things, how we have some tools now that help us have some, some control and not be consumed by, by that. We have control with our response. So the course really wasn't specifically related to spirituality, but in my opinion, as I kept hearing these different ideas, the thing that I kept coming back to is thinking about how important spirituality is, how we spend time each week in prayer lab, because it's important that we've built up those tools of resilience to have that direct relationship with God, whether that's prayer or quiet or mindfulness, or just even think about our own stated theology, right? Our theology of loving our neighbor. That is something that we carry with us because that helps us in building our own circle of influence. And whatever we grow, or whatever we water, grows. It's true for me. I know that when I can find that circle of influence stronger in my life, it's when I'm more patient or when I'm more thoughtful. I'm more generous with my time and money when that's happening. I, I find that everything else just takes care of itself when I'm able to, to really think about that circle of influence. I water my circle of influence, and that means that when that's happening, I'm usually at a good place in my heart and in my head, and I'm right with God, and I'm right with my neighbor. But I, I can promise you I'm not always there. I, I notice that sometimes things might dry up a little bit. I notice that there's times where I might need a little adjustment or a course correction Maybe it's I need a little bit more sleep or I need to eat better. I need to exercise or get outside and just be able to take some time away. And thinking about how important that is that we have those tools and know how to to be able to adjust. We think about how the life of Jesus, as we've learned here in the Gospels, is perhaps a timeless guide on leadership. Like Jesus is that leadership guru that is the best guru we could ever learn from because he truly understands how those external influences can also affect him. Think about how Jesus carried his own weather. He had all of these external forces kind of crashing down upon him. Like every time Jesus would open his mouth, he would make somebody else mad or he would do something that would would create all sorts of havoc. And that circle of concern really could have consumed him. You mean, just thinking about this event that happens in his hometown of Nazareth. You know, so as as we hear about in Luke's gospel, Jesus' ministry is all about going to these different synagogues and all of these villages. And, you know, like, people have heard about him, and maybe somebody's got a cousin who lives in the village next door, and all of a sudden they hear about Jesus, and, and the word spreads, and they're like, hey, this guy's coming. Be ready for him. He's got these amazing things he can do. Listen to him. He might be able to heal you. There's all of this great stuff that's happened, and he is now arriving in his hometown in Nazareth, and the people have heard about him, and they're thrilled that he's come back. They're like, oh, we remember him. We remember him when he was just a little boy. He was Joseph's son. Now look what he's been able to do. This is our guy. This is the one that we raised. Guess what? If he's done all of these amazing things all over these other places, when he's been elsewhere, just imagine what he can do for us. The people think that Jesus is their lottery ticket, that he's the one who can overcome that circle of concern. Like Jesus might be able to just wipe that whole circle of concern out. Like he's their rainmaker. He's going to be the one who will send the rain and the crops will flourish. He'll make them rich and powerful. He can be this ultimate healer so nobody will be sick again. Yet when Jesus is actually confronted with those expectations, is that what he does? No, as he teaches them, he's like, you know, I'm not just here for you. 
But I'm here for everyone. I'm here for the foreigner. I'm here for the neighbor. I'm here for the enemy, the one that you don't like. I'm here for them too. And how well does that go over? Hint, not well. What happened when the people have their expectations completely surprised? What do the people in Jesus' hometown do when Jesus tells them he's not here for just them? They want to throw him off of a cliff. Like, let's let that sink in a little bit. Like, they're ready to kill him on the spot. Forget crucifying him on the cross. It almost ended right here. They drive him out of town. They want to throw him off a cliff. They want to say, Jesus, you aren't what we expected. It's too bad they didn't have an anger management course that they could have taken before he showed up to town. You know, theologian Fred Craddock said, Jesus doesn't go somewhere else because he's rejected in Nazareth in his hometown. He's rejected in Nazareth because he's been somewhere else. You know, to, to think about like the, the feedback that a preschooler might receive when they go back home and have a note written on a sheet of paper. Uh, the people of Nazareth don't share well with others. Jesus slips through the midst, back on his way. He disappears, and he moves to his next stop. And literally the first thing in Luke's gospel that happens after he's gone, he heals somebody. It's like that ministry doesn't stop just because he's had this setback. His circle of influence is going to keep growing because he's made that choice to leave the place that was trying to crash down on him. He had the ability to expand his circle of influence by leaving the place that was trying to stop his ministry. Now, here's the thing. Before we start like patting ourselves on the back and saying, well, good job for us. I mean, at least we aren't like the awful people of Nazareth. I think it's pretty important for us to recognize something pretty important. We aren't that much different. We reject Jesus all the time. Like, we really do. Like, I think probably more often than we care to admit with the choices that we make, with the things that we do, with the things that we think. Let's be honest. We want Jesus to do things just for us. We're selfish people. We want Jesus to be only for us. We want Jesus to believe the way that we believe, to vote the way that we vote, to, to act the way that we act. And the reality is, we think Jesus is created in our, ima- our image. Not that Jesus came into this world because we'd messed up that perfect image that God created. And so what happens? What happens when we face the temptation to throw our neighbor off the cliff? When we reject those neighbors, Christians, non-Christians, the ones who don't believe the same way that we do, what do we do? We start wondering, well, how, God, how could God love them? Why would God be here for them too? And the reality is when we try to throw off those neighbors, when we throw them off the cliff in our heads, it's really no better than trying to throw Jesus off the cliff ourselves. We can't control what others think, do, or say. But as a body of Christ, we definitely aren't the same. But what we can control is how we respond to a world full of people of differences. All created by our loving God. So think about it. How can we create a habit? Now trust me, those habits might be really hard. How can we create a habit of loving our neighbor instead of speaking ill behind their back? How can we lift up that habit of building our neighbors up 
instead of hurling them off the cliff. We can't control the weather, but here's an image that I think you're all going to relate to. Remember, the goal in our lives is not to be the king of the mountain. The goal, as Christ has done it, is for us to share that view. Share that view with those around us. To be able to pull each other up. To know that the circle of influence that each and every one of us has, that Jesus is at the center of that. And that is the most important habit for all of us to follow. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.